0: come back from this uh, trip to the Gulf of Mexico that I told you about. And then I went back up into the panhandle of Texas, the big wheat belt up around Amarillo, Texas, North Amarillo, Texas. And I found Borger and Canadian, Pampa, all those oil fields up in there, big oil fields that had just broke out. And there was a big boom on and a lot of people from down in my country was going down there to get a job of work. And times had gotten pretty hard in Oklahoma and everybody was drifting out there, so I drifted out there with them. And when I got into that country, I got a job about the third day I was there. I got a job with a fella who owned a root beer stand, supposedly, and he said he'd give me $3 a day to stand behind the counter and sell people root beer. So I told him I had intelligence enough to do that. I got around behind the counter and he told me, he said, now, uh, in addition to this root beer, he said, there's some bottles here of uh, another description. And he said, if anybody comes up and lays a dollar and a half on the counter here, why you reach down and gently and firmly and let them have one of these here bottles. One day my curiosity got the best of me and I just got to wondering what the devil was in them bottles so I opened one up and tasted of it and it was nothing in the world but just anyone anyone anybody want to guess what was in the bottle I you know the internet ruins all our fun because this is the point where I could have some sort of a contest for next week and and uh um you know, and whoever guesses what was in the bottle, you know. well, I don't, I don't know what you'd win because <laughs> I don't have anything to give you, but it'd be fun to have a contest. Although now, with the, uh, with the, with the, uh, the miracle of the internet, you, you probably already know. You've probably already looked it up. Or maybe it was my Woody Guthrie impersonation that uh, gave it away, for those of you who remember Woody Guthrie. Uh, but in, in any case... That is the uh, that is most of the transcript from uh, an old recording. It was an interview with uh, Woody, and um, well, it so you can find it if you want to find the audio, it's on a an album that I think is part of the Library of Congress, you know, historical recordings, a bunch of Woody Guthrie stuff. And somebody decided it'd be good to put this little uh, this little uh interview on there it's like a song but it's the interview and uh and and it's it's kind of significant because apart from the root beer stand, root beer stand it was um uh he kind of tells the story of how he got to the first time he started playing a guitar and how he got to sing and so I guess that makes it worthy of the uh historical documents um the the interview is with uh of all people Allen Ginsberg who um I just want to say one thing about Allen Ginsberg. Uh, there's a lot that I could say, but I'm just, I'm just going to say one thing. And that is, uh, it, you know, well, if I had written the poem Howl or anything resembling that, I would say maybe that's a sign that it's time to lay off the peyote. However, folks, the interview with Allen Ginsberg and Woody Guthrie is, uh, well, the title of it is Texas Oil Field. And that is how it, I guess that's how it came up on my radar today because as you know, we eventually we get around to talking about the oil field on the show and um but besides besides the fact that that woody was uh stumbling around the oil field looking for a job and uh and, and I didn't necessarily mean stumbling in, in any sense incapacitated any of you who are descendants of Woody Guthrie, please don't take that as a uh as a knock on his personal character, but he he was out. What did he say? He said drifting. I'm sorry, that's what he said. He said he drifted out there. But there's another reason why this story is relevant to uh, what's on my mind today. But first, I need to do a little housekeeping. (laughs) Actually, I shouldn't have said that. I shouldn't have said housekeeping, because if you're like me, anytime somebody says, let's do some housekeeping, I automatically tune out everything, everything that comes after that. Cause most of the time it just doesn't matter, but this does matter. And so this is the part where I'm going to ask for a little bit of feedback folks. Um, this is, uh, we're about 10 episodes in from when we rebooted this, uh, this program and it went from being oil and gas tech to oil field ingenuity, totally different format. Um, and, 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 and you're not going to hear this from me uh, regularly uh, because I don't want to be, yeah, you know, I don't want to be like one of those, uh, you know, the people that spend like, like like they kill like the first five minutes of the show, basically just asking for reviews and, and, and likes and stars and, and thumbs and kisses or whatever it is. Um, uh, I know. I mean, I'll, uh, I'll burn up the first five minutes of the show talking about, you know, other meaningless bullshit, but I don't typically hit you with that. Um, however, this is kind of a point where we did 10 episodes, did some different things with different episodes. And I am, I am watching the, um, watching the listener stats because, uh, because I can, uh, and, and that's usually a good indication of, you know, whether people like what you're doing. Uh, although it is cyclical, 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 much like. Our beloved industry uh, podcast listenership or listening is cyclical uh, because right now it's summertime, which means automatically, like all of our stats are down by about 20%. Uh, I've been working now with Mark LaCour and OGGN for some years. And uh, and a lot of you probably don't know this, but besides being the sparkling personality on this show, I also run all the production operations and the business side. And so I look at at the numbers for all the shows and and they're always down in the summer, about 20% because I I know you're all on vacation and doing other things and unplugging from uh, the usual grind, uh, especially any kind of a business, you know, industry oriented podcast. So, uh, unfortunately that makes it hard for me to gauge whether you're liking what we've, what we're doing with the show so far. So, uh, so here, so here's all I'm asking for is send me, send me an email, Michael at OGGN.com. Just tell me, do you like it? Do you not like it? Uh, what do you like? Um, if you want to be like in it, you can be straight with me. Don't, you know, like if you think, if you think I need to be doing less of this and more of that or more of that or whatever, just uh, tell me what you think. You can also, um, and by the way, that email, those emails come straight to me, folks. I don't have any handlers. I'm not that big yet. So uh, I get to read them all. And, 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 you know, like I said, we're 10 episodes in trying to figure it out. So tell me what you think. You can also leave a review on. I know that ninety percent of you uh, listen on Apple Podcasts, roughly ninety percent. So, uh, leave a review on Apple Podcasts, uh, and uh, that helps as well. Um, in fact, I have a couple of new reviews that I wanted to share. Mostly, um, not not because I want to brag, but because I want the people that wrote these reviews to know that we're paying attention. And so, the first one came earlier in July, uh, and this one is is from somebody. Somebody by the name of, (laughs) Um, well, if I say this like in English, it would be Esteban Gerardo which <laughs> I think in Spanish is something like this one is getting binged. Uh, although I'm not sure that being is actually a word in Spanish, but, uh, but I love, <laughs> but I love the, the handle here on the review and uh, whoever this is, they said, Michael is better is back. is back better than ever. Love the new format. Back better than ever. That is pretty. Um, I mean, that's pretty kind. And, uh, and I, you know, I don't know if I was any good before, but it's good to know that I'm better than I was. Uh, So thank you for that. And and this other one uh, written by somebody called Sammy Trade. Sammy Trade. One word. One word. Sammy Trade. And um, I I don't I don't know what Sammy's trading, but um, but Sammy Trade left me a a review. And and this and by the way, Sammy, if you're out there, I I, I might I might want to hire you to write to to write some promotional plugs for the network here because this is this is fantastic uh and so listen to this folks this is what sammy trade says ingenuity in the oil fields. you better believe it and if you don't listen to this pod michael weaves technology personalities and outcomes together in a way that's both entertaining and educational highly recommend <laughs> So, uh, that is very generous and, uh, and I appreciate it a lot. Uh, also you should realize you just set the bar ridiculously high for all my future episodes. I feel like maybe I got lucky on a couple of them and, and now you just made it to where I got to be that smart, uh, all the time. So anyway, thanks to, uh, Sammy trade and Esteban Dorado for, for the reviews. I uh, always like to see that now back to the thing. What were we talking about today? God, with all of that nonsense about, tell me what you think. I forgot what the story, oh, yeah, 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 our friend, uh, what's his name? Um, uh, Woody Guthrie, yeah. Oh, you know, I didn't tell you the, did I not tell you what was in the, I didn't, did I? I didn't tell you what was in the bottles. (laughs) So, so, um, so if you, if you read on in that little uh, interview that, uh, that Woody was giving with, uh, Alan, what's his name? Ginsburg. Um, so, so remember the guy says, the guy says, uh, you stand over here, you sell root beer, root beer. But if anybody walks up and puts a buck and a half, exactly, which, you know, this is probably, I don't know what he was born. Probably what in the twenties. Um, so, I don't know, let's say this is in the late 30s, early 40s. So, a buck and a half, you know, there's a lot. You didn't pay a buck and a half for a root beer back then, I'll tell you what. Um, it turns out uh, that the, the other bottles had, uh, you guessed it, corn liquor, good old-fashioned whiskey in them. And so, so he was running that uh, root beer, et cetera, stand. And anyway, w- Woody shared some comments about how uh, about that, but... There was whiskey in the bottles, as you might expect, because how many people in the oil field are really drinking root beer? Uh, but this gets to my point, which is sometimes, um, well, not sometimes. I think all the times, the both historically and even today, the oil and gas industry, it besides doing a bunch of amazing things, uh, the ingenuity involved in in producing this stuff that we need so desperately. Um, it has an impact on, uh, should we say, uh, peripheral businesses. Um, whether (laughs) let's typically, which are legal, let's assume they're usually legal. Right. But although I, I don't know. So, um, and that's, an, that's a perfect example on communities and other businesses. So, uh, you know, when there's a boom town um, or, or even just generally speaking, I think we can find lots of examples of how the uh, industry uh, creates goodness in other places. Now, uh, this, and, and so this one, for example, I mean, you know. The the root beer business, the root beer, et cetera, business was, was there because of the oil field and, and our friend Woody, um, he drifted over there with his friends because of the oil field and there were jobs and, and there was, there were things happening. And and so let's look at it. I just so happen to have a few other examples. I think I, I have to admit I'm a little bit, I'm a little disjointed for this one today, folks. So you're going to have to... (laughs) So right after the part where I asked you to tell me what you think, now I'm going to ask you to cut me some slack because I did get interrupted like three times so far while I was recording this. And usually I like tune out, like I shut everything off so I don't get interrupted. But there were some important things going on today. But I needed to get this recorded today for tomorrow. So anyway, it it is what it is. (sighs) First thing, first thing. Um, Now, now last week when we were talking about... um, how am I doing? Oh, see, I'm only, I'm only, I'm only 13 minutes in. Okay. Um, I know I got your attention for another 12 to 15 minutes. So, um, th- last week when we were talking about spindle top and I mentioned that there was a boom town. Well, well, we talked about Corsican, but, but also what was it I said that like the population of Beaumont, uh, increase, like went like five x in a very short period of time. Um, and I said, imagine if your town, all of a sudden, had five times as many people in it, and and, and so certainly that creates a uh, some amount of chaos, and and not everybody benefits. And like I said, some people probably get taken advantage of. You know, all the uh, hucksters come to town, but um, but like the effect of a boom town is um, and and. There's, There are also busts. We know that it's boom and bust. And recently I saw some research that somebody was doing on, just in the last few years, about um, the effect... Like everybody measures the effects of the boom, but not too many people come around later and measure the effects of the bust and what really happens. Interestingly, I, they're they're not proportional. So like the amount of goodness and this is just from and I'll have to look this up for another day. But um there was this one report that I was reading that said, you know, there's definitely the the bust definitely creates some badness, but the amount of goodness that create gets created during the boom is, you know, I mean it's hard to it's hard to measure, right? It's hard to say how how much goodness offsets how much badness? Because bad things feel bad and do bad, and and it's never it never helps, to, <laughs> to, you know. Uh, it never helps to to you. Know, you can't make people feel better when bad things happen to them by saying, "Yeah, but look at this other good thing that happened to somebody else." Um, but um, but it, but the, but the goodness that gets that gets created is substantial. Now. Um, Let's see. This is a this is an article I found in the Financial Post. Um and let's see. The, now this is from this isn't recent. This is from uh 2012. So kind of after the um uh after the 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 fracking boom had been going for a while in the US, but prior to that little hiccup that we had in, like, 2014, 2015, that wasn't fun. Um, but prior to that, uh, somebody here in the Financial Post, and what is the? this isn't the Financial Times, it's the Financial Post. So I don't know. I don't, I don't know. But anyway, uh, I mean, it's a news site, so it's got to be true, right? Drilling for growth, the U.S.'s top 10 oil boom towns. Now, we always think about, you know, we, we think we think about oil boom towns, we think about the early days, you know, Texas and Oklahoma and other places where like, like it was like a speck in the dust. And then all of a sudden it's a, it's a booming town with all of the interesting things that come with that. Um, But, you know, but recently, let's look at recently. Uh, Let's see. What does this person say? This is written by Yadullah Hussein, who says, you can say many things about the oil and gas industry. (laughs) And you do. Uh, you can say many things, but you can't argue about its ability to create jobs and stimulate economic growth. Now, this is not—I I realize, folks—that this is this is not a new concept that I'm throwing out. But I, I think in the in the uh, in the just in the overall spirit of oilfield ingenuity, uh, apart from looking at the particular problems that people have figured out how to solve or things that they've been able to accomplish, you know, you look at the impact and, um, let's see, what is Yadula? Yadula says, um, ah, yes, you can't, you can't argue about its ability to create jobs or stimulate economic growth. See, that's the thing. It's not just the jobs. It's not that, well, there's a boom here. So we got a, we got a bunch of jobs for for people to do things directly related to the, to uh, getting the oil out of the ground, but stimulates economic growth, which is a broader impact. And, uh, and he says this, this was yet again underscored. Now keep in mind, this is 2012. This was yet again underscored in a recent report which shows how cities drenched in oil and gas development led U.S. economic growth last year. So when they looked at U.S. economic growth in, uh, I guess, 2011 because he wrote this in July, 20, yeah. So when they looked at economic growth across the U.S. Um, in 2011, which cities had the most, right, percentage-wise, right, like per capita growth? And uh, let's see, Lafayette, Louisiana... Uh, Odessa, Texas, Bismarck, North Dakota will each see, they will each see robust activity in natural resources and posted growth upwards of 7%. This was according to IHS. Um, and they talk about the Bakken shale and how that's impacting that region. And, um, also, also places like Sandusky, Ohio, Holland, Grand Haven, Michigan. I'm not familiar with that one and other places like Fargo, North Dakota, Home of the movie Fargo, uh, which by the way if you live in Houston and you draw a line due north you end up in Fargo. I don't know why that's interesting but I always thought that was interesting. Corpus Christi and Midland um, they're all anticipated to fall within the top 15 metros in terms of real GMP. What is GMP? Did they explain He explains that here somewhere. Growth Metro Development. So um, all these places are, are booming and they're, they're, they're growing because, so it's not just, it's not just importing all the, the oil people, but it's just stimulating growth in the area. Now here's, um, and that's, I, I mean, I, I feel like that's not, I mean, that's pretty well understood in most, in, in, by most of you, but, um, Uh, But here's something sometimes we don't always think about. The energy sector also boosted related sectors, such as the chemical industry, obviously. Um, And uh, uh, let's see. The industry surge this decade in investment, jobs, and incomes has been largely spurred by low natural gas prices, a result of rapid incorporation of new drilling techniques to extract shale and other unconventional gas. Okay, so... Did you catch that? So the energy sector, which in this case is is oil and gas. Um, I got it. So my, you know, what's happened is I've taken too long to do this now. Am I the do not disturb setting on all my devices has gone off and now I'm getting all the ding dings. Um, okay. I just fixed it. So the energy sector boosted related sectors such as the chemicals industry and some others, which I'm going to get to in a minute, but, um, but here's, but but look at this. Put all the pieces together here. The industry surge this decade, uh, so let's say from 2000 and 2000, 2001 to 2011, whatever. The industry surge in investment, jobs and incomes has been spurred largely by low natural gas prices. Well, why did we have low natural gas prices during that time? Because we figured out how to get way more natural gas out of the ground way cheaper uh you know more efficiently than we ever had before and that also drove down the carbon footprint for the for the u.s because because it would turn, it turned uh fired up all the natural gas plants instead of the coal plants but um but um so and and so here we are the industry surge has been spurred by low natural gas prices and investment jobs and incomes. I mean, investment jo- not jo- and not just jobs, but incomes, uh, all going up because of low natural gas prices, which came about because of rapid incorporation of new drilling techniques to extract shale. All right, so fracking came along. Now, I already did an episode on how fracking saved the world again. But, um, but here you see that it was the fact that all of these smart people in the oil and gas industry um, figured out all of a sudden how to get natural gas out of the ground way cheaper. That all of a sudden, uh, all these all these towns are are experiencing major economic growth. Now, I want to bounce over over to something else here. Um, this is a paper written uh, right around the same time, May of 2011, by some folks up in. Canada, the and it's is posted uh, published under the Department of Economics, University of Alberta, uh, it's a paper by somebody named Joseph Marchand at the University of Alberta, uh, May two thousand eleven, and uh, and the title is Local Label, <laughs> local labor market impacts of energy boom bust boom. In Western Canada, boom, bust, boom. Has a nice rhythm through it, doesn't it? Boom, bust, boom. Um, but let me let me let me share some of the abstracts here because it's this is going to make sense. The impacts of energy price boom and bust are analyzed through the differential growth in employment and earnings between local labor markets with and without energy resources in Western Canada. So, in other words, they they did a comparison of of um, uh, they looked at the numbers for employment and earnings in local labor markets, uh, the ones that have energy resources, i.e. oil and gas resources, and the ones that don't have those resources. And um, and then they kind of factored that for, you know, boom-induced labor demand and the shocks of the bust and blah, 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 blah. Anyway, here's what it says at the end of the abstract. And uh, you can read the whole paper and see the details on this, uh, which you can find at... University of what, what are, University of Alberta, Joseph Marchand. But um, here's what he says: the local job multipliers indicate that job creation within the energy extraction sector leads to modest creation within the non-energy local sectors during boom periods. Now, um, I'm going to play that back again. So, so they're looking at the at the stats right the local job the local job multipliers indicate uh here's the relationship the job creation uh within the energy sector um energy extraction sector <laughs> just call it oil and gas the energy extraction sector um anyway job creation there leads too has a direct impact on now he says modest job creation within the non-energy local sectors so in other words during a boom period not only do you have job creation for you know oil and gas jobs but Uh, You also have that. uh, That also spurs modest creation within the non-energy, with all the other all the other sectors, right? Um, Now, here's what he calls modest and modest job creation. And I, I don't know. You know, I'm not a not really a statistician, so maybe maybe I don't. You know, I don't have the right view of the right lens to look through regarding these numbers. But it's he says here that what they found is that for every 10 oil and gas jobs created, for every 10 during a boom period, approximately, you, you, you got from that approximately three construction jobs, two retail jobs, and four and a half service jobs. So that's another three, four, five, nine and a half. So mm, roughly 10. So for every 10 jobs... Uh, you know, I guess you get another ten jobs in, in other sectors. Now, Mister Marchand calls that uh, modest growth, and I don't know. Maybe if you're looking at if you're looking at you know growth curves and stuff, maybe that that does seem modest. But I think um, I wonder if there's any other industries that uh, give you basically a one for one job creation, um, you know, distributed across other sectors. Uh, I don't know. Maybe there are similar dynamics between other industries. Um, I, I can't think of any. Uh, but there's a lot I don't know. So if you do know, I, I would love to hear. Um, but 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 the oil and gas industry seems a little bit unique to me in this regard, and it seems like it's made possible, um, or, or it's 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 cumulative. I mean, in the beginning, you know, it's just okay. Well, somebody discovered oil in some place, and I'm sure that we had there were similar. I, I, and I apologize for my international listeners. I'm not as well versed in what happened, and you know, in terms of. The progression of these things in other countries. I assume you have have similar stories. I would love to hear about those, by the way. Um, and, uh, but I think if you just, if you look historically, you know, earlier on, um, the 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 economic impact had. I mean, it, it is related to the, like the ingenuity. Because, because, unless, unless people like some of the people we've talked about, unless they were able to, to figure out how to do the things that they did in the early years of, uh, of, what what is it they called it in that last article? Energy extraction. <laughs> um, then no, then nothing would have happened in the in the surrounding economies or industries. Um, uh, but because they did, then it had that impact. But I think cum- cumul- cumulatively, as you go along throughout history and you kind of watch what's happening, um, you know, now it's not so much uh, like like hey, somebody discovered oil in Bismarck and now everybody's flocking there to get a job. I, I think there's a little bit of that. But um, not as much, you know, not like not like it was in the early days. But what you have is more a more cumulative effect of as we get smarter and better at doing all this and we make it safer um, and more efficient, then um then you have that's when you that's when it it changes not just like creating jobs because we need more people hanging on this pole over here, but it it impacts the economics you know more broadly and because it changes it reduces the the price of energy or it improves our ability to apply that energy to particular things in particular places. And, and that has real, uh, real economic impact. So it's not just, it's not just the old days when there was an oil boom and, and, uh, and the boom towns grew up and everybody got a job, but the industry continues, uh, kind of like those, I ran through those figures kind of quickly earlier, but, um, even, even in the last 10, 20 years, we see, Economic growth—the the, the cities, at least in the U.S., leading economic growth, uh, um, being in places where, uh, where, the, where where this business was happening, this business that we've chosen, and um, and it's and it's not just because there's a whole bunch of jobs for the for oil and gas itself, but it creates jobs in other sectors, modestly, mind you, one for one, but <laughs> it creates jobs. And other sectors. So that, well, you know, that's really all I really, that's all I wanted to say today. And um, because, and I, I don't know what made me think of this. Uh, oh, I know what made me think of it is because I read about, I was, I was listening, I was listening to Woody Guthrie and, uh, and how, because of the oil boom, he got a job at the root beer stand. The root beer, etc., stand, and so there you have it, folks. Because of the ongoing and persistent smartness and relentless inventing and problem solving and overcoming of the people in this particular industry, it, it, they've been able to spread uh, more goodness to more people in more places. I mean, I don't think you can deny it. It seems to be right there in the numbers. I, I grant, grant you, I, I have not done a Exhaustive. I haven't taken an exhaustive look at this, but a cursory look says that when it comes to job creation and economic development and all of the things that make life better for people, uh, you know, when it comes to spreading goodness throughout the world, I I think oil and gas wins.